Hello, hello, and welcome. It's me, Noah Coop, along with my epic co-host, Michael Bernache. If you have to say welcome to the intersect, I don't know. No, I'm going to say that after. You guys also welcome to the intersect, but you know, it's more about me than the intersect, right? Uh, yes, it's all about it's all about Noah's personality, 100%. <laughs> well, you're also important. Can't forget you. I mean, I guess... It's... Anyways, you guys are here to the Michael and Noah show. Um... <laughs> the intersect of our interest, of our person, of our combined personalities. Yes. Anyways, um, there's some drastic... There's something, honestly, so sad that happened today. What happened today? <sighs> I mean, a lot. Tiger Woods. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tiger Woods. He got into an accident. Yeah. It's, uh... It, during the day, I've been, I've been, I keep getting updated on the news, and at first it was a scary because it was just like Tiger Woods involved in car accident, serious car accident, and okay, no, but you know he isn't in any um, mortal danger. He isn't fatally injured. Yeah, he just broke his leg, um, a compound fracture to the leg. He he was the only one involved in the accident. It was a single car accident of which he was the only occupant of that car. Yeah, and um. The worst thing to happen to him is that he has just two serious injuries on his legs, but nothing that's going to be um, yeah, that's true. life-threatening. No, it's, I'm just saying it just felt like, you know, like a, a, a year and a month ago, it kind of felt like the Kobe thing. Like you hear there's an accident and then it's just like, it's like, what the hell? What's going on? Especially because, um, uh, I don't know, I followed Dwayne Wade on Instagram and he did D Wade had a picture of him and Tiger Woods was golfing and it kind of felt like the Kobe being at LeBron's game when LeBron surpassed his point career point total. And I don't know, it kind of felt reminiscent of that. It was kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Can you tell I follow sports mm -hmm. and have a whole separate basketball podcast called off the street. <laughs> On the other hand, I do not follow sports. Instead, I participate in sports. <laughs> You know what? Everyone has their own thing. Did I just call you lazy in a really, like, passive manner? Hey, I walked eight miles today for no damn reason. <laughs> hey, I did... Actually, no, I did run today. I was about to say I did not. Um, I had a career fair today. Yeah, we're seniors. We're looking for jobs. So if anyone's listening to, uh, to this podcast and thinks we have some modicum of intelligence, please hire us. Honestly, um... Contact me. I'll send you my resume. Um, if you're doing anything related to a field that I'm interested in. Yeah. So him uh, is engineering. Yes, I probably would want to know. Him is engineering and uh, and uh, programming. Mine is like uh, anything like law, politics, advocacy based. Like we can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, actually, career fair was kind of interesting. Uh, I actually, I felt like I'm a person who's generally good with interviews. Yeah. I felt a little bit nervous this time because this is the first time like doing everything virtually and it's just not the same. But you have the, did you have the, 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 the student tie combo with like a shorts in, in the bottom? Nah, no tie. I'm going to just go shirt and jacket, you know? Okay. I got to wear a jacket instead of a tie and look a little more serious than the, 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 the sophomore just trying to get an internship. <laughs> Are all those finance bros trying to get a, a, a internship in Wall Street? No, you know what? No offense. I don't really no offense to my, see them anymore. No offense to my business friends who listen to this podcast. I didn't mean to go after you like that. Actually, no. A little bit of offense. It's kind of funny. You guys show up in suits every every single day. But still. <laughs> Came out harsher than I meant it to, yeah. to sound. Anyways, um, how are you feeling? How's the energy level today? I mean, honestly, today I'm I'm pretty good. Like, I there's some weeks my my energy's been like uh, wobbling. Some there's some hours of the day I'm super low energy, and then there are other days I feel like I could run a marathon. Not actually, but the idea. Join me. <laughs> no. Join me. No. You said you're gonna run a marathon. Now you're joining me for it. I said I feel like I could. Not like I hear you can. <laughs> you know what? We can make. I don't know if this podcast hits like uh, ten thousand listens by the end of like 
the year, uh, sure, I'll run a marathon with you. Actually, though, we could set a we could set a, a goal. We could set a goal that if we hit a certain amount, I'll, I'll do something stupid with you. All right, uh, maybe not a full marathon. I don't want to like actually destroy you, yeah, but no, you can I... like come along for a half marathon. <sighs> yeah, you're gonna just be waiting for me at the finish line. Like you'll finish, you know, I'll just be your. You'll finish. Man. You can take. You'll take a nap, and then I'll, and then eventually I'll, I'll reach the end. <laughs> you gotta just get a little bit of training in beforehand, but it's possible. A lot of people have done All right, it. So that's the goal for uh, spring twenty twenty two. Okay, cool. Um, now what else is there? Oh yeah, so energy level. I don't know. I'm kind of tired because, as I said, I had career fair stuff. I. Uh, I only had three hours of sleep last night. Not this last night. Last night, I actually had a good amount of sleep. The night before, I had only three hours of sleep. I'm just working. Um, it, it's it's once again, like, nearing the end of the term. We're week seven out of ten. Um, just exams, all this stuff coming, and gotta gotta be on top of it, you yeah. know? One of my professors <sighs> mentioned midterms, and I was just like, this, our semester just started. What, what the fuck are you talking about midterms? Talking about midterms? No, it's been what? a while. <laughs> no. It goes by fast. No, this is my last semester. I want to enjoy it. I want to, like, never mind. There's no enjoying it. <laughs> but, you know, there's the idea of enjoying it. And that I... Sounds like a you problem. No, it sounds like a, uh, it sounds like a, a global problem. Especially because at, a year ago today, we were talking about, like, is NYU going to close? Because NYU's locations abroad had closed. Like, uh, uh, France had closed. Italy had closed. I think we were in New York City. We, we quarantined the entire town of New Rochelle at around this time. So it's been a year. Well, it's not yet been a full year since quarantine has hit. It will soon be, though. I know by the end of this term right now, which I'm going through, that's when I'm going to know it's going to be uh, a year. Well, it's, uh, yeah. So, t I mean, it's been for the U.S. For us, uh, for NYU, I think it was March 14th, like in the Manhattan campus. I think it was like around March 14th, March 15th. Um, yep. But I, I think the U.S.'s first recorded death of COVID was like uh, six days ago. For like two weeks, uh, one and a half weeks by the time people listen to this. And mm -hmm. since then, remember how the projections were like only 100,000 people were going to die? Which are, which is horrific. Uh, like 100,000 is in, in the, in any country, in any context is a lot. Because, you know, it's huge. And we crossed a, a new milestone. We crossed half a million dead. 500,000 individuals. <laughs> yeah. Half a million people now gone because of the pandemic in the U.S. alone. We're That's the important thing. We're talking now, about this. I think on the global scale, it's something like 2.4 million. Yeah, something like that. We're talking about the city of Baltimore wiped out. Do we care about Baltimore? Uh, Baltimore is a pretty big city. Oh, wait. Uh, fine. Here's another city. Okay. Atlanta. Okay. Now that sounds more serious. I feel like cultural Atlanta is probably more of an influence. Yeah. But it's like, imagine the city of Atlanta wiped out. Yeah, you gotta use the strong examples, dude. Baltimore's a pretty big city. It's a pretty big, iconic city. Okay, true. So yeah, not like, um, looking at this list, it's not like I picked Tucson or Milwaukee or Albuquerque. You know what? This whole podcast is not going to be us <laughs> complaining about American cities. <laughs> yeah, I just shout out cities of, like, a lot of people. But yeah, no, it's a... Uh, it's jarring. You know, just for reference, the Spanish flu, right, which is the previously the deadliest epidemic uh, the U.S. has ever faced. You want to know how many people that killed? Um, a few million. Globally, yes. Globally, it was uh, 20 to... Was it 20 million or 40 million? I don't know. It was 20 million. I'm too tired to It was know. 20 million people dead in the world from the Spanish flu. It was one of the deadliest pandemics ever. 
But in the U.S., 675,000 people died of the Spanish flu. We're getting there. As of right now, we stand at a little bit above 500,000. We're getting there. And mind you... Yeah, you know, I'm just tired of all this pandemic stuff. Let's talk about something more interesting. The end of the pandemic? Vaccines, that's true. Yeah, well, we've been talking about the the various vaccines, etc. But since trying to look at, like, seeing how the access to vaccines is supposed to get better and there's nothing we can do about it in the U.S. or in Europe or Canada, uh, especially because just the amount of supply, just the stress of the system, the fact that the entire Midwest froze uh, the other week, there's nothing we can do about that. But it's some of this time is just how privileged we are of like just the country that we happen to live in and just the circumstances of what is essentially like because we live in rich richer countries we are privileged in the fact that we have access to good vaccines before a lot of the world has it in fact uh if you look at upper income countries they've bought up i think uh 60 percent of uh the total uh total uh, vaccine supply in fact the u.s is is scheduled to buy uh, enough vaccines to cover 413 million people. Now, just for reference, the total size of the U.S. population is 330 million, about. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is happening in Europe, same with Canada. So a lot of richer countries have taken, have ordered for, for, for the foreseeable supply of vaccines, France has already vaccinated five percent of its own, of its population. Um, okay. The U.S. has vaccinated once one out of every six people so far has at least one vaccine dose. Mm-hmm. So, but if you look at um, like uh, the continent of Africa, I don't think it crosses a hundred. Yeah, I mean. It's unfortunately the way things are, where it's like the company, the, the countries that have the industry to produce those vaccines and research those vaccines are, of course, going to be the ones to tell themselves, hey, I should use that vaccine for myself right away because I want to protect my country. So it's not surprising that they have some form of self interest, but then it leads to this issue that the rest of the world isn't healing. And the issue with that is that it means that there's still people from abroad who can bring it into your country. And also, you can have variants that exist. We were talking about the uh, last week and the week before that, we were talking about the variants that existed in the UK and South Africa. They're everywhere now. But like the South Africa one is scary because it's actually harder to vaccinate against than like other strains of the coronavirus. So there are consequences when we leave the world out to dry. I mean, to hang. So yeah, it's problematic. And beyond just having access to supplies, it's actually cheaper for the United States or Europe to buy vaccines than it is for, say, South Africa. Like Because then they reduce the actual amount of uh, if it coming in. Because uh, um, I forgot what company it was, but it was like, say, it was in the U.S., it's like a... Three dollars a vial for a uh, for uh, for vaccine. I forgot if it was Moderna or Pfizer or whatever company. It was uh, about three dollars per vial. In South Africa, it's five dollars per vial. Now multiply that by population of millions. Okay. Um. Yeah. No, that's a big number. So yeah, no, it's a. It's a concern, and while it's true that the U.S. is just. Uh, given four billion dollars to try to mitigate that issue, and France has uh, Macron has uh, forced the issue, saying that the EU should should pledge to donate all its excess vaccines. It's still a concern. Oh, for sure. Because we live in a global society. Well, the thing is that for a lot of people, this is also the dream, and they finally get to stop this global movement of people into their country. Because a lot of people do not believe in allowing that to happen yeah no there's a reason everyone everyone if everyone 
the problem with people who say that it's a dream, the people who are most likely to be like, oh, it's great, all the borders are closer, etc., are also the most likely to ignore the fact that there's a pandemic raging and killing 2 million people. 2 million. Mind you. Uh, again, all these people have families, friends, etc. So when you say 2 million people are dead, millions more are affected. So, yeah. However much people want to claim that like the nationalists are having their time, no one wants to live like this. People want to travel. Hell, Ted Cruz went to fucking Cancun. During the whole frozen time in Texas? Yes, which we will talk more about after the break. And we're back. So. Yeah. We were talking, so we right. were talking about Ted Cruz. <laughs> And we're talking about Texas and um, about Texas, actually, starting beginning of last week. Um, there was a incredibly cold weather um, event that happened and that kind of affected the entirety of the American Midwest. And basically, a lot of states which normally do not experience such a cold and even states that do normally experience that amount of cold were kind of caught off guard by the sudden freezing temperatures. And I mean, freezing temperatures, like getting close to the negatives in places like Texas. Um, and the issue with this is a lot of these states don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the snow plows, the salt, the sand, and all that stuff to take care of their roads. And even in the situation of a state like Texas, the power plants, their water infrastructure, like piping that's not insulated, everything like that went to shit. And it has led to many issues in Texas. A lot of people complaining about safety. A lot of people being put in deadly or um, situations that you never expect to have people experience in a first world country like the United States. And it was honestly something that people just weren't ready for. Yeah. So we talked last episode about how Texas is a, is a island uh, in terms of like its electricity grid. Like most states are connected. So if something were to happen to say New York, Connecticut will provide some nuclear power. Something were to happen to California, Washington State will have some hydropower or something like that. So, but or it's more like if something were to happen, Northern California, Southern California will take care of it because it's such a big state. That's also true. But it, every every state, and we have this deal with Canada too, so it's not just uh, a U.S. thing, uh, is connected to each other in case something happens in one state. And they need help from another state. But Texas is the only one who's like, no. We're going to be our own thing. So, when? They still dream of seceding. <laughs> I mean, hell, if we have it with Canada, I don't see the issue that Texas, why Texas doesn't want to join. But, yes, because Texas had last the infrastructure to actually get support from other sources, and you can run like uh let's see 20 percent of texas's energy comes from uh from wind their their wind turbines froze you can you can spend a little bit of extra money to winterize them and then you can have wind turbines that work in the snow just as norway uh their natural gas plants froze which provides like 60 percent of their like 30 to 40 percent of their power those froze you can ask how I don't know, Michigan, um, uh, upper Midwest state, how they deal with it. Massachusetts, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. Their oil and coal plants froze. And I don't know, ask Pennsylvania. I'm running out of these state analogies. But the whole point is, is like Texas was not ready for this. And they were told 10 years ago to fix their shit. And they didn't because, you know, Texas is right or die. They don't care. No way the government's telling them. Also, just avoid spending more That's money. True. Texas is one of the few states they don't like that taxes. has no uh, income tax. Yep. But dirt. So, um, 
for budget reasons, a lot of procedures that were supposed to be done for safety reasons were actually kind of ignored, which, I don't know, at least in terms of what I've been taught for engineering ethics is a big no-no. But, you know, the thing is that it's a bureaucracy that pays, so the engineer just presents how things are done, and then uh, the bureaucrats will then say, we take the cheaper option, and they tell the construction company what to do. And see, as someone who studies uh, politics, it's like, if there's a low chance that you'll need something, do you really want to spend the money on it? Uh but yeah, that's the issue that happened to Texas. N not, well, I'm going to tell not you, saying that I'm right. you should listen to the engineers. Yes. There's clearly a reason why we have these, but just the angle. But yeah, so Texas had this problem, and they had rolling blackouts. We talked about this uh, last week because their grid, their grid almost went to like complete failure. Like They would have been brought back to an age before electricity, so like the early 1910s 1900s yeah so yeah it it, it was a it, it could have been it was very catastrophic for some people uh some people died because uh they used their ovens and they got carbon monoxide poisoning or they turned on their cars to get some warmth some people who were on yeah people turn on their cars while in their garage um yeah um, there was one issue, so carbon monoxide poisoning. I'm trying to remember what the other things they did was um, uh, hypothermia. Hypothermia. Uh, some people. Uh, ice accidents. Yeah. On the ice. Some people were on batteries, like on oxygen or like some battery operated medical device, and as they ran out of power, they they died. Um, there's and also a lot of house fires due to. Um, well, basically trying to heat things up during an indoor fire. Understandably, an indoor fire, while it will keep you warm, might also be a huge problem where either your house will take fire or you'll suffocate yourself. Yeah. So there's a lot of those issues. Uh, you were mentioning pipes last week, which was very prescient because yep. while they managed to fix their electricity problem eventually... Now the water issue seems to be uh, causing more physical damage now. Mm-hmm. With, uh, you can imagine, pipes bursting. So their house are frozen. Cars are covered in ice. Uh, it's tragic, really. That's that's what it is. And uh, there's issues with water pressure. They Some places with high elevation, they can't get water. Uh, I've never understood this. Um maybe Noah you might know if you have low water pressure the water is less safe for you you want me to explain yes okay so the thing is when you have no water pressure this can cause for example a system which relies on water pressure to make sure the water is going in only a single direction usually a system that um involves water possibly getting dirty and contaminated um it could cause for example dirt to accumulate it could cause bacteria to start um growing and that is where water pressure is a major issue the same way um i don't know if you ever heard this piece of advice but if you're out stranded in the middle of nature if you had to pick between a pond of water or a stream of water you should always drink from the stream because moving water um, is generally always safer and also properly oxygenated while the water in a pond might actually have a lot of bacteria growing in it. The more you know. But yeah, so... And yes, also I've heard people trying to turn the water back on in their house and getting legit gray or like brown um water coming out of their faucet it sounded kind of uh terrifying yes and also mind you just the fact that perps uh, pipes in the house burst that causes tens of thousands of like damages that you have to fix afterwards and speaking of cost because the energy crisis caused a uh, uh so the way markets go down is uh when 
when the supply is high and demand is low, the price is really low. Or if if the supply is low, demand is high, the price skyrockets. So what happens when you can't produce any electricity and everyone needs electricity to stay warm? The prices go to the moon. So people who are used to having maybe an electric bill of $200, $300, they're seeing their bill go up to 10000 sometimes even higher. So, mm-hmm. And this being Texas, you know, it it's kind of where... Uh, who knows what's going to happen to those people. But imagine if your electricity bill costs $10,000, Noah. Yeah, I think there is some Texas veteran who had a 16 grand power bill because he was just trying to keep his house warm enough for him to survive. And now, this may not be clear as to why the price can skyrocket so high, especially if you're used to other states. But Texas is one of the states that have a deregulated power grid in terms of like you can choose your electricity provider, you can choose uh, like what form of electricity you get, and your plans might be a set plan. So you pay, you agree to pay, say, $200 a month and you don't have to worry about it, or you can do a variable rate plan, etc. Not all states have this. I'm not sure if New York has this, but I know Boston has this, where you can pick your energy source. But um, Texas has a, because of that deregulated system, that literally meant there was no ceiling for prices, so they could keep climbing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, for once the free market has done its thing and it has raised the price due to high demand. For once? okay yep i mean it happens a lot remember yeah, i know remember how much uh like toilet paper cost in like nine months ago people and the only reason toilet paper costs went up was because the manufacturing could not keep up with the demand and the only reason there was demand was because so many people are buying it out of panic yeah the thing is that the difference between australia and the United States is that the United States probably has a lot more local toilet paper manufacturing. Hmm. But yeah. So it was only really an issue about getting it from the supplier to the customer. Yes. And I guess we have some more, another bit of like some like politics slash like national, a uh, natural occurrence. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, a... a how do I describe him nicely? A conspiracy theory, uh, a furious, a fear mongering, race baiting, xenophobic, uh, misogynistic uh, radio host who is very influential has passed away. Uh, he died of uh, lung cancer or something like that. I mean, I feel like he's well known, but then again, it's from all the random political jokes I heard. Yeah, about him. Mind you, that was a nice description of him. Oh, I forgot to say bigoted. Oh. Um. <laughs> Oh, well. Nice description of him. Yes. We are a... Okay, we're not a family-friendly show, but we we, we have we have standards, and we won't go down to... We, we keep it civil. That's what I want to say. And, yeah. Yes. And we have Rush Limbaugh to thank for saying, like, for people who seriously believe that the Sandy Hook uh, massacre did not happen, for... Well, for Donald Trump, it's just plain and simple. And he's brought a lot of... He, he, he fostered a lot of hate. And our country is more divided because of him. Not just because of him. Not just because of him. There's Alex Jones. There's uh, Newt Gingrich. Like, there's a lot of people you can name. Vanessa Shuza. But yes, <laughs> there's a lot of people. And... All right. Yeah. Now, now, you know who I just mentioned about when it came to toilet paper? Australia. Yes, and, okay, this is a little more interesting and more up in my lane. Um, Australia is, of course, a lovely country in the Southern Hemisphere. It is a very populous, no, not really very populous. It is a very big, 
landmass that is populated by an English-speaking population mainly. Yeah, is the landmass continental? Yeah, almost the whole continent. But Oceania, Australia, is known for having horrible internet, and also um, just there always seems to be some kind of issue in Australia about media and internet and all that stuff okay i got do, do very, you want to talk about that i got very confused for two seconds when you were talking about the internet <laughs> yes um i mean the internet is an issue over there but oh. internet policy yeah and media is a topic of discussion right here yes so like we were talking about things that cause a lot of division and hate facebook uh, and uh, Facebook and a bunch of other social media companies got into a bit of a uh, of a situation squabble with uh, Australia. So Australia has a recognizing that media that uh, your traditional news media has been suffering, and because like the most famous Australian is Rupert Murdoch, who owns like a billion media companies, uh, he's the guy responsible for Fox News in the U.S. And um, so the Australian media have pushed for this law, which passed, that essentially forced social media companies or any companies that shows links or whatever, that they have to pay media provider for access to their news. And if they don't pay, then they can't display it. So before the law was passed, Google threatened to leave Australia, Facebook threatened to leave Australia. And then once the law was passed, Google was like, okay, we don't care. And for about a week of Facebook banned news in Australia. And imagine no more news from Facebook. And the whole world is a silence. For two, for, Although that for isn't about really a, true. No, that's just, not true at all. Okay, okay. So actually the big thing to consider here is that they couldn't get news through Facebook. They actually had to go on the media website for that news source or for whoever was has written the news and get directly from them yes so essentially that's media companies are cool with that it's either either they get paid from facebook directly or people go straight to their website now there are a couple controversies here uh the easiest one is that uh, facebook also banned government uh sites so if like say the government the but do they have governors? However, I know they have a prime minister. So if, say the prime minister is like, come get your COVID shots at the Barbie or something, uh, that would be blocked on Facebook. So that was a mini problem. In fact, the only reason that the whole Facebook, uh, it, you can now share news again on Facebook is because Australia agreed to rewrite the law with Facebook, which is its own little other concern. But I don't I don't care about it today. So there is that. And the second thing is that also means that no one else can access Australian news unless Facebook makes us an independent deal with certain media companies. Yeah. And the reason they want that deal is because um, they want to be able to allow the media websites to actually get back to the funding they need instead of having basically their articles provided out there for free. I mean, yes, that's semi-true. Depends on the website, because the New York Times is doing better than ever now, and that's a subscription-based model. And there's an argument to be made that uh, Google and Facebook, you can, do, you can look at this from both sides, both angrily and a good thing, that they're both good at promoting news stories and generating traffic. Which, again, we can look at this both ways as being good for newspapers and really bad for, you know, society. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's actually one of the reasons, like, uh, just to be sh sure, the media, uh, the media and uh, social media, like, news media versus social media, uh, their ongoing tussle is not just on, like, whether or not you can pay, they get paid in Australia. Part of the reason that the U.S. has their antitrust Things specifically focuses on Facebook and Google's effects on news media. And other countries yeah. are also considering 
doing something similar to Australia where news companies need to uh, need to receive some benefit from social media companies. So Canada, the UK, Europe is always talking about taxing these companies more. They're all thinking about ways to do that, even in the US. This is not purely Australia, but it, the debate just started in Australia. And what do you think of this, Noah, yeah. overall? The whole media thing, um, I think the Apple approach to news where they actually start paying for curated news is probably the move that, I mean, even Google and Facebook should go for. The problem is, this is actually a big issue in the tech world, is I don't know if you ever heard of Google AMP. Yes. And basically, Google AMP is a service that allows for news articles to be provided easily through a mobile platform that is provided by Google. But the issue with that is it kind of gives Google more control over media because now to be able to be seen through a major platform like um, Google is to then use that Google service. And by using that Google service, the media company basically um, gives more control of their news to Google and they actually lose that independence in um, how their news is published to some extent. Yeah, I mean, and so Facebook has a similar system too. This is where I think it is a good thing to um, try to push back against services like AMP. I understand why they're good. They really help to some extent improve that mobile experience in using in reading news but the problem is you're allowing a company to take control over media and the issue with media is that it is something that has a lot of influence in the way people think and it is also the way a lot of people it is something people rely on to understand what's going on in the world and having control on what people, on how people view things is something that would probably go against the democratic process. All right, I get your point, but two things. About controlling media and the democratic process, the main advocate for this law was Rupert Murdoch, who controls like most of Australia's uh, news media, who controls a significant chunk of, of uh, the UK's media, who controls a significant chunk of the U.S.'s media with Fox News, uh, with the Wall Street Journal, uh, New York Post, etc. So it's not exact. It, we're still there's still a problem of media consolidation. And regarding the issues with uh, with uh, AMP, and I forgot what the Facebook version is called. Like the, that's true, but most of it has to do with the ad revenue. And while I, it makes sense if you are. Uh, News Corp, uh, Murdoch's company, or like, say, New York Times or Time Magazine or whatever, CNN, like that may, may sense for you, but that means smaller publications have no chance of surviving. There's no way Vox can grow to what it is without uh, social media. There's no way that, uh, uh, what's that one that we all make fun of? BuzzFeed, Axios, uh, to the right, The Blaze. Uh, Breitbart. Again, we can argue about whether or not some of those things are good, but without without the new without social media and providing a free platform to expand those programs, you would never see them exist. Like I think it helps entrench the strong players of the media way too much. Yeah, it's the 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 question of media nowadays is a really complicated one, and. It, it, it's one of those things where I feel like there isn't anyone who has a perfect solution out there yet. And even for most problems we have, there's no perfect solution. It, so really, like at this point, I don't have a proper answer. I have a few ideas on what could be done, but I don't think I have an, my idea is something that is sustainable. I mean, what's your idea? I mean, like... To get news to work, it's probably trying to avoid... It's to give most news sources an equal amount of exposure no matter what. Because the problem is, like, bipartisan media is an issue. You need to find a way to reduce that. 
You need to find a way to control visibility because you can't allow a company to control visibility. That's also an issue. And so you gotta find a way to protect the way news is seen. And that's something that's difficult because the way modern society works, especially in a democratic nation, is that people need to educate themselves to be able to make uh, the decision that they think is best for the country. It's true. I mean, yeah, no, the implications of this are, are huge. I just want a system that doesn't entrench the big players. Like, you can make it more fair. There's a reason that uh, artists, for example, the music industry, hates the free tier of Spotify. Because ads don't make money. Subscription services do, but how do you balance the... Not everything can go to a subscription model. No offense to Paramount Plus, but there's no way I'm getting you for real. There's... Not everything can be a subscription. And that can help the bigger players, but how does that help the little players? And I think (sighs) while this is a separate issue, I think media consolidation is a serious problem. Yeah, um... But I don't know. I don't really think we have a way of solving it yet that is sustainable. And that's something that we have yet to figure out. We have a couple small things for government on big tech. And we'll just run through them and then we'll take a break. Can I say one thing? Because I see the name Apple in there. Um, Have you heard of Epic Games requesting? Was it Epic Games that asked for news from Apple? No. Who wanted the info from Apple? Um, talk about the market there is the doj apple wanted (laughs) apple wanted to have information from steam in the case against epic games oh they were probably doing how much uh how much they pay commissions um it's difficult but anyways steam refused valve refused so yeah maybe apple versus steam that's the next fight uh but yeah Apple is a uh, Apple has a couple of things. Uh, Apple is under investigation for the DOJ for anti-competitive uh, uh, behavior, not for their App Store or other stuff, but this time it's for their sign-in with Apple. Like you know how you have the option to sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook, sometimes sign in with Twitter. So Apple's mandating that you really, if if you have an app like that on uh, on your on your phone, you have to also put sign in with Apple. So they're being under in, under investigation for uh, for that, and also uh, North Dakota almost passed this law that would have that would have banned Apple from having a monopoly on app stores on their devices. Yep. Although I feel like the app store monopoly is a whole difficult topic of its own. Yes, that goes to the because Epic Games technically, argument. Yeah. Actually, if you guys are interested eh, in no. learning more about the app, just all this app store monopoly stuff, let us know, because that's actually, like, a fascinating topic. Difficult. Should we do, like, a special episode on that? <gasps> that would be so much fun. We could do a researched episode and actually present a whole topic in detail along with the timeline yeah. of the whole debate. Yeah, we could. All right, anyways, let's take a break. And we're back. All right, Um, here's a quick question to you. Mm-hmm. Michael, how would you feel if one morning you just opened the door outside your house and you see a goddamn frame of an airplane engine? He's so confused. Well, guess what? That happened to some people in Denver. I don't know if you saw that image. Yeah, I, I saw the video of the engine burning up. <sighs> okay, you know, I was not that terrified of the engine burning up. I think combustion is normal in such an engine. So oh, I'm like, yes, it's the fire is expected. It's, it's an internal it's combustion whole... engine. <laughs> but well, true. The, but, but you hear that first part internal. Well, yeah, if you take the frame off, you're going to see what's going on inside. But yeah, it's a little bit worrying. It's not a good year to be Boeing. Just straight up. Okay. But it's not it's, it doesn't yeah. look like this is their fault. This actually looks like it's um, closer to being COVID's fault than actually being Boeing's fault. And the reason that I've heard is that planes need a lot of maintenance, right? And they also need to be constantly used because if they're just sitting idle, things can like rust, things can go bad. So planes have this continuous cycle of that they're being used all the time and they're heavily maintenance. But because of COVID, all these planes had to sit around and like 
do nothing for months because, you know, people are flying less. So there was a lot of, like, work on... So they just need to bring these back into uh, fighting shape, I guess. Yeah. But I think it's also... It's an older model of plane. But because of that, actually, Japan has asked that all planes have that specific model. Which one was it? The 747 or something like that? No, 777. Yeah, well, Japan asked that all 777s uh, not fly in their airspace. Yeah, I mean, they're all... I think they grounded all the 777s because they just want to investigate the issue. Again, Boeing has had a very terrible, no good year. So they just want to be careful. And also, I don't know, but I kind of want to say I feel like the FFA, FAA is losing some form of credibility, at least on a global level. Well, yeah, I mean, even the FAA uh, is said they're investigating. I don't think, I think Boeing made the decision to pull up the plug, not the FAA, but like, that's what happens. That's, that's true. It's been happening for four years. All right. Do you want to discuss something else? Uh, yes. Uh, this one's on a positive news. We landed on Mars again. Yes. The rover Perseverance finally landed on Mars. And it's always nice to hear something positive. And uh, landing on Mars is not an easy feat. And we have successfully done it again with another rover. Um, yeah. You know, I kind of always expect like a 20% chance that those missions fail. Because, I don't know, space is just that risky. And hard. But, you know, the engineers, uh, NASA, NASA always like work with incredibly high with incredibly low tolerances so they have to be or high tolerances i don't know but basically they have to design things to work at a point that is way beyond what is expected expected yeah and it's not only is the engineering feat of it so cool and amazing and like just the amount of science and research we can do we've already had something new we've we can hear the sounds of another planet like sure, it's have a microphone. Yeah, on they it? put a microphone on it. So if your your clips on YouTube where you can like hear just the winds of Mars. Cool. Now I can know what it's like to be on Mars. Yeah. So the only the next step is to breathe the non-existent uh, atmosphere. Yeah, because the closest exposure I have to like space are like movies or like a, for all mankind, like on Apple TV. <laughs> but it's like. Now, there's just something else now on IRL for on Mars. I don't know. It's cool. We love science. Anyways, uh, also, there's something horrible that happened. Oh. A design <laughs> of the new po postal vehicles. Okay, you sent me that one image, but you didn't send me that other image. Okay, let me send you the, the side view. So, uh, the postal service trucks are uh, super old. Like, uh, yeah, they don't have ACs, so that's a that's a that's a problem if they they don't have an AC. Like, imagine it being hot, the the thing doesn't have an AC. You're just kind of like boiling in there. So they they have to redesign them. Also, apparently they have a they catch fire very easily. So the postal service has signed an, a, a finalized a new contract, and they imagine a new postal truck and uh no and i have had some impressions of uh the design of the, of the, of the truck well you sent me something let me look at this yeah oh <laughs> no this is even worse I than you, i expected the side view is so much worse what the hell okay um yeah so he sent me a picture of the truck and then now he sent me a side view picture of this truck yeah. It is gross. It is so. It is absolutely horrendous. It's like a weird duck. I, bill. I understand. <laughs> I I understand. This is not supposed to be a sexy car, but like, oh my god, oh my god, this is just sad. Hey, well, the cool thing about these vehicles is that they are both run on like your traditional gas car, and they can all be easily transfer uh transform into electric cars. So at least okay. the initial batch will, might probably be mostly gas-powered, but like by the end of the decade, they could be all electric. And 
yeah, these can also hold more packages, and they're less likely to catch on fire, which apparently is a big deal. It, like it happens a lot. So, well, um, yeah. All right. It's good to see some change after the postal service has been abused so much these last years. Yeah, I don't know if the new trucks make it any better, but <laughs> at least they'll get an AC now. Yeah. I think a lot of the issues with the Postal Service has more to do with the package sorting logistics. But, yeah. Or the uh, fact we, that Congress is... We kind of need can... to help the USPS along to uh, survive. Yeah, if only Congress could allow the Postal Service to have a banking thing like it used to in the 70s. Or, you know, not have to pre-fund their retirements for employees who are not even born yet. If only there was something Congress could do, that would be really easy. Damn. Yep. Oh, well. Alright, we're about to... Unfortunately, that's how it is. We're about to hit, like, the hour mark in our recording. I think we're... I think we're good. Hey. Alright, well, sorry about a slightly less energetic episode than usual, but, you know... Yeah, it's almost... School hits hard sometimes. And it's almost 1am, and... I ha- yeah, this is a late one. I have to wake up so at like I'm eight. Sorry about. To- yeah. So thank you for listening. Um, hopefully we have more energy this next episode. If you guys are interested in having a proper like special episode where we discuss, for example, um, the Apple Epic lawsuit and how the App Store is um, considered a monopoly, do let us know because it might actually be quite interesting to do a proper research episode where we really present a specific topic in depth. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Both the, both the intersects and our personal ones. We'd love to talk to you guys. And uh, peace out. Bye.